I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I create today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Yeah, it's so funny, all those stupid doubts, like, and then the next thing, I, I mean, I didn't even tell anyone, but because my name is so different, throughout the whole year of me working for myself, I had all these people reaching out like, oh, I've, I found your, I found your Instagram, and you know, it's so amazing, like, people coming from all over Sydney to come and have a facial with me at the front of my parents house in Concord I like doubted myself so much I thought I was like oh it's just gonna be this little you know uh, like no one's gonna want to come and wow a boy I was wrong I was before I knew it I was so busy and I was like I I need a bigger space I need to get out of my parents house there's people walking around everywhere (laughs) like this you know we're taking up the whole front of the house I have to um yeah I have to do so before I knew it I was like like wow it's all, all those what ifs just I don't even remember what I doubted anymore it's so funny I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline the Podcast these are honest conversations about true self-success with the people we follow and the teachers who help us on our way This episode is produced in partnership with Estee Lauder, and it's a continuation of our Self-Care Sundays mini-series. Over four seasons now, it's been an honour to sit down with some of the brand's inspiring ambassadors and friends to have an honest conversation about self-care, skincare, confidence, and success. Now, my next guest is someone very dear to me, She was actually my moment of self-care every eight weeks for two years when I was working as a digital publisher. I used to book her last appointment at 7pm and basically fall in a heap on her treatment bed. Her name is Deandra Politano. A regular facial with Deandra was a luxury I could afford at the time, but for me, it was about much more than skin health. It was the way she cared for me, the way she rubbed my sore shoulders and massaged my hands. I'd fall asleep a lot, which at the time sometimes felt like a waste. But then on the other hand, I knew that was what my body needed at the time. Being led into rest in a chapter of my life when I was constantly wired and I had a pretty unhealthy addiction to my work. Fast forward six years and Deandra is now one of Sydney's most in-demand facialists. When I was seeing her, she was working under the inimitable Jocelyn Petroni, but today leads her own namesake salon in Balmain. When I had this honest conversation with Deandra, it was just before Christmas in 2021, and she'd already closed her books to new clients in 2022. I just thought that was truly incredible to be providing the kind of self-care that people prioritise up to a year out. There's so many of us starting our own service-based businesses, and I think all we could ever dream of is being booked out and having that sense of financial security, but also the confidence to know that we're on the right path, knowing without question that people need what we have to give. 
So that's what I wanted to talk to Deandra about. Not just skincare, although we do naturally talk about that, but succeeding on her own terms and as a byproduct of her sharing her unique gift with the world, her gift of touch. I hope you adore this honest conversation. We talk about the big resignation moment before starting your own thing, about business values and boundaries, about the need to preserve our gifts, and about setting the plan and getting comfortable with the unknown. Here's the beautiful Deandra and I for this special Self-Care Sundays episode in partnership with Estee Lauder. I love doing your facials. You had the best extractions. Am I allowed to say that? Sorry. <laughs> they were a lot of fun. I think Karina would agree with that. I see Karina at um, Bellamere's now. And, um, oh, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. She's amazing and yeah. incredible. But like what, what's crazy now is my extractions. She only has to do like three or four. I'm like, damn. Oh, that's good. How good's that? So your skin's changed and usually that happens when you've had a baby and just years of using active ingredients as well. It can take a while to get there, but pores will eventually close up. Anyway, this isn't a skin consult. Look at me going into skin <laughs> chat. <but laughs> that does that does happen. Your skin changes, gets drier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's good. But I'm glad you remember because, yeah, I was thinking, I wonder if because you treat so many people, but I was seeing you um, religiously every eight weeks for, I remember it was two years because when I was in that big job, and I always used to take your last appointment, so I would arrive yeah. at some stupid time, like 7 p.m., because I would work so late. And it was this one thing that I had for myself that really felt like, to be honest, a bit of an investment. Like every time I would come, I'd be like, gosh, this is kind of like a lot to spend, but the experience was so like just transcendent. Like I would just literally melt in and it was just that one relaxing thing that I had for myself as well as I guess the it performing for my skin but yeah I just wanted to yeah ask if you just remembered I'm so glad you do of course I remember I actually have like a really crazy good memory when it comes to clients and who I've seen I might not be the best with names but as soon as I see someone's face I'll like remember their skin remember what I did it's so crazy. And I'm like, oh, that's right. It's like as soon as they get onto the bed and I look closely, <laughs> I'll remember something weird, like how many extractions they had. Yeah, it's just, it's insane. That's how focused I am on what I'm doing. But yeah. It's amazing. Um, so one of the main intentions, as you know, for this Self-Care Sundays miniseries I do with Estee Lauder is to explore this idea of confidence and what having more confidence helps us to achieve. So I want to talk to you about how the hell you built up the confidence and conviction to leave what was, and we can be really honest about it, an incredible opportunity, a really reputable role. And even I was like, whoa, go girl. She's like going out and and doing it. So I want to talk about that. But before we do that, and before we go back, I guess, I want to talk about now mm-hmm. <laughs> and just bringing us to the reality of where we are. So we're recording this in November 2021 
And when I was organizing this time with you to talk, I got your out of office, which said we've closed our books for 2022. It's crazy. (laughs) And I was really taken aback by that. Like, that's incredible. So I want to ask you, how does that feel? Like, let's just feel into that for a moment that you know every appointment that you're doing (laughs) for the next 12 months. But in terms of success, like, my gosh, that must feel incredible. It is pretty awesome. I think I, to be completely honest with you, I'm so like um, on the go and focused with what's happening in the moment that I don't really think about, I don't really look, I don't look back. I mean, I do look, like I obviously am a planner and I do look a few months forward, but I don't really think, oh, wow, look how far I've come. I don't know why. I'm just, it's it's funny. But then when I do things like this, it does actually like make me realize, oh my God, this is like, this is amazing. I can't believe like when I run reports and see that, you know, like our our salon's um, retention rate as a team, this isn't just me, we're like 98% retention rate, which is like, I've had girls that have, um, that do admin for me and they see that and they've worked at salons before and they're like, I've never seen something like that before. This is just, you know, incredible. You girls are doing something right here. Um, yeah. I don't know. I suppose, I've just never really thought about it because I've been working so hard and to make that decision to close my books, um, it actually was like a little bit of a struggle for me because I felt like I was like closing off to people and not being welcoming and it almost was a little bit in a way like a negative um, kind of decision and I actually kept it, I actually closed my books like 18 months ago but I kept it a bit of a secret because I didn't like how it sounded. Um, yeah, which is insane. And then, so what I was doing, I was still then taking on new clients and putting them in at silly times and ended up for the last year completely overworking, you know, six days. I think this is like my first day off in, well, obviously besides the lockdown, but my first day Monday off in such a long time. And, um, I, I, I realized I got to a point where I was like, no, these hours are so not sustainable. I've really got to do something about this. And then I made it more public where it was like, no, nah, that's it. Books are closed. Because the thing is, um, when you're doing a, when you're doing a service, if you, if you have everyone coming back, then you've got, your work is pretty much set up. So really everyone rolls into the new year. If I take on new clients, I just take on more hours. So it was a decision that I had to make like literally for my well-being. So, yeah. So I had to do it even though I really actually love seeing new clients. So it was a really hard one, but it's yeah, it's it's definitely something to be proud of and I had to shift that, you know, it's not a negative thing. It's it's actually amazing and the girls can see all the new clients. So, yeah. Well, I just want to say a huge congratulations because <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you know, now that I know how long it Go it was that we first met and just talking to you now, the essence of you has not changed a nothing. <laughs> like you are, you. I can already tell <laughs> the exact same person. So when good people, good, kind people succeed, it just mm. is the absolute best Thank feeling. You. So, but that's really interesting to hear that other side of it because I guess Mm. I was like, got the emails like, go girl. And then now I realize actually, (laughs) 
Yeah, like you in some way feel like you're you're turning down business because, I mean, yeah, it could be quite uncapped uncapped in a way that you could just keep going and going, but I guess then you sacrifice the nature of the service, the level of service, because you can't give your all. Yeah. And that's absolutely another, a client actually pointed that out to me too. When um, I had mentioned to her, she was like, oh, what time are you working till tonight? And I told her, and then she even said, you know, you got to look at it also from a client's point of view. When we hear that you're working like that, we're almost going to like, feel bad when you're giving to us. I was like, oh gosh, that's so true. I try not to ever really make it out as though I'm doing these long days and that I'm tired. I'm always happy and I'm not, I'm actually not tired. I've actually got a lot of energy. I can do it, but um, it's so true. Like if anyone was to, you know, hear that of how like many clients I'm doing in a day, it actually takes away the quality of the service because, you know, you want to know that the person that you're going to has that time to really invest in you and give you their all, not, you know, trying to scatter it amongst, I don't know, 10 people that day because that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not fair to them. Yeah, and this is a signal, I think, of um, the work you've probably been doing on yourself because what this shows me is boundaries and that's something I think as ambitious young women we've been almost programmed and modelled and taught not to have you know, is you just have to keep going, keep saying yes. And this whole narrative around smashing the glass ceiling and, you know, that whole kind of hustle culture, girl boss, lady boss. Yeah. And so we don't stop. Yeah. And that's even like rooted in not even just from that, but also just looking at my parents who my dad has his own business and he works really, really, really hard. And it's always been like, if you want to have your own business, you got to work hard. You got to do long hours. You got to put in the sacrifice. Absolutely, that is so true. But at the same time, as cliche as it sounds, you've really got to like take time for yourself, especially if you're, you know, actually no any industry, not just a not just a service industry when you're giving, but yeah, any you've really got to like you said, have boundaries and because you want to be doing it for life, you've got to have something that's sustainable. Otherwise, that's not of any used to anyone if I'm burning myself out in a couple of years. So yeah, you got to preserve your gift and make sure you're not, yeah, running, you know, burning the candle on both ends. Preserve your gift. That's really beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. There's someone actually, I feel like someone once said that to me, (laughs) just to be careful and preserve it so that you're doing it. Cause yeah, if you are, if you do have something really special to offer with whatever you're doing, yeah, you want to, you want to make sure you're doing it forever, especially if you love it so much. Yeah. And yeah, just putting the entirety of our essence and our being behind it and into it. And I do think um, for all industries, yes, but as you're saying, especially service-based industries, we're exchanging energy and there's a frequency you know, that's at play at the same time. And so the way your hands move and the speed of what you're doing and the way you're breathing even, like it's we're so close to you in the moment yeah. that we can hear everything too. And if you're yawning behind or, you oh, know what yeah. I mean, we, or touching your phone or something, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know I can feel whatever the therapist is doing behind me. But, yeah, you really got to make sure you're in the room. 
yeah, in the room. Yeah, in the room and your intentions are on that person and your what you're doing for that person. So, yeah, you don't want to be mm. tired. Can you imagine? You're like yawning <laughs> over. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> so we've established the beautiful reality that you're in today, but, of course, there has to be some assumption that it has not been like this for the last, <laughs> you know, well, certainly not at the beginning when you kind of transitioned out. No, so let's no. talk about transitioning from being employed and working full-time as a therapist to being self-employed and starting your own business. Take us back to the moment where you knew it was time to leap. Like was there, because mine was over a period of about 12 months where I kept having the same thought over and over again. I couldn't stay any longer. What was yours like? Was yours a bit more of a, a moment in time or do you feel like it was over time as well? No, it was also definitely over time. Um, I had gotten to a point where, so at that stage, I was probably working for other people for about nine years in my industry and every single transition into a new um, salon, I felt like I always had the intentions where I want to work somewhere where I'm going to learn something new and grow and I just felt like I got to a point where I was at this amazing space I had learned so much from who I was working for um I was you know working very hard for them as well and I just felt like there wasn't any room anymore for me to learn and grow I felt like I was starting to like plateau a little bit and unless there was more more to offer I felt like I think I can do this myself I think the next step for me to learn like to grow as a person and then like my, my next learning, that's my whole thing is that every year I want to learn something new and I want to grow and I want to, you know, whether it's doing a course or whatever, bringing on new product, I want to like somehow grow and keep up with, you know, the ever evolving beauty industry because it's always growing. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I just felt like I got to a point, it was about six months and I just, I was like, I just don't know. I feel like my next step is, yeah, my own thing. I, not that I felt like I knew everything and I was like, oh, I can do this myself now. Definitely not that. I was very scared, but um, I just was like, you know what, this is the scariest thing ever and that's why I know it's going to be awesome. So just do it. Yeah, (laughs) I just did it. Just jumped. I think this is the thing, isn't it, is the reality of taking that leap. For anyone listening, you've either done it before, you're thinking about doing it or wondering if you ever will. It feels disgusting. Like (laughs) it doesn't actually feel exciting and evolutionary and all of these things, you know, that I talk a lot about. I felt sick all Mm -hmm. the time because, you know, you're kind of also going into the job knowing that your essence isn't there anymore. So you're not really serving them in the way that you know you are capable of. So you feel gross because you're you're not in integrity essentially. Yes. And then you start having this... Um, really incredible and frustrating um, visualization of resigning for a long time where you're like, and then I'll walk in and then I'll say this. No, no, I won't say that. And then wait, maybe I'll wait till they're on their lunch break. And Oh my gosh, I literally feel sick thinking about it. (laughs) And so you start playing out the theater of resigning and it's, it's gross. And I think there's a period of time where you're leading up to taking the leap and it doesn't feel very good at all. And I think that's the moment where we go, you know what, 
I think I'll just stay. Yeah. It's way more comfortable. I don't know how they're going to react, so I don't want to do it. You know, and I remember my boss, like, <laughs> I was so sure that he would obviously be absolutely, could not survive without me. I was so, <laughs> you know, imperative to the business. And when I told him, he was like, that sounds like the right move. And I was like, Jason. Oh, are you going to beg for me back? I was like, hold on. You know, you could offer me more money. I'd probably consider it. <laughs> it's he, so true. I think that was the mark of a really incredible leader and he still is my mentor and he's yeah. actually my my little girl's godfather. And um, he understood that I was ready and that I'd been ready for a long time. And I think that's one of the most incredibly hard things that I even did as a leader is let my good people go. Because you yeah. know they're ready and you know it's time, but we become so reliant on their talent yeah. that yeah. we get scared because then we're like, oh, God, well, what does that kind of mean mean for me? Because I've got to go out and find my right hand again. Yeah, it's going to make a full on, like, you, you did it once and then it's going to happen to you one day. I always think about that. Yeah. So it's far, my, you. Yeah. So far, my girls haven't left. <laughs> 18 months, I've still got them both, which is nice. But, yeah, I think... um. Yeah, it's so funny. Looking back now on when I did leave and, like, I felt the same. I was like, gosh, I'm going to be, like, they're going to beg for me to stay. Um, (laughs) That didn't really happen. Everyone was very supportive. Um, But it's funny because now when I think about it from a now, like, a a different perspective of owning my own salon and if I was in that same position, I understand so much more now what was going through that person's head and why it can be really difficult leaving someone that's you know not that you're reliant on but just a good just a good worker like you know losing someone you know that's that's just awesome to work with and that does their job so well it's really hard to find that so yeah oh my god yeah and this is I think this is the um the ebbs and flows of being a business owner and leading like you know, I think about the first few years of my leadership career and I was absolutely, you know, I I don't think an example of a leader in those days. When people would leave, it felt really personal. But then the more times it happens, the more you realise what your role is in the room when someone comes to you and says they're ready to grow and yeah. if you know that the growth isn't there with you. So yeah, for sure. that all really, it really resonates. Um a big part of my own methodology for, I guess, success and what I kind of call conscious success is identifying a need in any given moment and then creating something that meets that need. So I'm curious to understand as you're kind of, you know, embarking on going out and starting your own business, what did you, I guess, identify as the need? Like what did you feel that you could give that you weren't able to perhaps give in the circumstances you were in? So. I just felt like where I was at the time, I don't know if this is like the right way to put it, but um, in my industry, I felt like we needed more just real good, honest skin, like a facialist that you can go to that can give you a really honest opinion on how they feel about things with a really open mind. Um, I feel like sometimes when you go into some places, it's very much, what they sell, what they do is the right way and the only way. Um, And a lot of these places are very expensive. I wanted to be able to offer a space for women and men that you you can go there and they will be so honest with you where they'll say, like I've literally told people, 
you only need to have a facial twice a year. Like I will be so honest with how I feel about someone's skin, you know, and yes, that, you know, that um, bioderma line that I don't sell is doing wonders for your skin. Keep doing it. I don't know, that sort of thing. And then it's like if someone says to me, you know, what do you think about this treatment that I don't offer? I can honestly sit there and like I want to be able to give people just, yeah, I suppose, I don't know, I just like somewhere like with integrity and that it's an it's accessible for all kind of, you know, not just people with the money to spend on like I know so many people think a facial is a luxury and that, you know, oh, I don't have my, I can't afford a facial sort of thing. Whereas I wanted to make it more affordable for women to be able, and and men to be able to have, I don't know, I suppose I just felt like I was only seeing the same sort of people and I just wanted to be able to be this like Mm -hmm. place where more, I don't know, I don't know what, I yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I think part of what you're talking about is an acknowledgement of privilege yeah, and that that type of um, experience mm. is is only available to people who earn really above a certain threshold, and then I think that's what plays into the the narrative that a facial is this luxury, relaxing thing. When actually, all of my interactions with regular facials are more about skin health than they are about. Yeah. I mean, your particular yours were very relaxing. I think I fell asleep. I was also very tired. I was only sleeping yeah. like four hours a night then. So, you know, that was part of it. But certainly now, and I would add to that, um, I think this is a really beautiful thing for any woman or man person who is thinking about embarking on a bit of a skin regime in 2022, yeah. you know, sometimes you go into the new year thinking, right, I'm going to sort this skin out this year. You do want to find a facialist who will look at what you have. And this is one thing that I find Karina is really great at as well, is I was able to turn up with everything I'm using and she'd be like, yes to that, no to that, but we'll swap yeah. this in. Yeah, She lets yeah. me go free range with like cleansers Mm-hmm. and some other products, but there's like particular actives she likes me to use yes. and then beyond that. And then I'll just text her and be like, oh, this, you know, I got this, sent this, can I use it? And she's like, you can, but you'll need more extractions next time. But like, and a bit of like, have fun, enjoy it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I think that's where I was sort of kind of trying to go with what I was saying before is like a lot of people get scared to go visit a facialist, especially like some particular establishments where they feel like they're going to go there and they're going to walk out with a big dent in their wallet, like maybe a thousand dollars later because they've forced all this product. You have to use this and you have to use that. And oh my goodness, your skin. And do you know what I mean? Like, I just wanted to have like a really comfortable place for people where that, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to spend all that money. It's just about coming in and what, why are you here? Like, are you here to relax or are you here like, do you want me to help you with pro? Like, I don't know. Yeah, just like a really nice, warm, comfortable, fun space where you just like feel like it's a big family. That was like what I wanted to do, and what I want. I want to. I wanted to open up somewhere like that, and I always had that in my mind. Like my whole career, I always knew I was going to do it, but it was just about when I was ready and when I felt like, yeah, I you know, I comfort like confident, I suppose, enough to go out on my own. So, yeah. Well, I guess this is a question for you because I reflect on this a lot. Are we ever really ready? Oh, no. (laughs) No. 
but as long as you don't know what's ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should share too much. You'll scare people away from doing it. No, I might scare people. No, no, no. It's, um, I don't know, I suppose, yeah, you're never really ready. You just have to, you know what, what have you really, what have you got to lose? I think unless you're in some like amazing job and that's, I suppose, what you have to lose. But at the end of the day, there's some reason as to why you wanted to leave and start your own thing. And I think one door closes, another one opens and just do it. And if it doesn't work out, there'll be something else amazing that, you know, was meant to happen for you out there. So, yeah. Mm. So let's get more practical about this. Like how how did you overcome the what ifs though? Because, you know, we just can't stop thinking about what's going to go wrong and why it's going to be the wrong decision. I'm not going to earn money and no one's going to book and all of these things. Like what did you actually do in those moments to kind of overcome those limiting thoughts? Um, I definitely thought at first, okay, so I made sure that when I did do it, I did it very safely. So I actually, I must say I'm, I'm very fortunate with the way my journey happened. I'm very lucky. I must say I had a space available at the front of my parents' house. So that was one huge expense, rent, that I didn't have to worry about. And I just thought to myself, you know what? If there's a week or two where I'm not making any money, it's okay. I've got tenants in my apartment. My mortgage is, you know, my mortgage will be fine. I like wrote out, you know, how much money I should make a week to at least just survive because, you'll be actually so amazed with what you can just survive on. And I made sure I had like, you know, some savings. So with money-wise, I tried not to be too scared about that. I did think to myself, oh gosh, there's going to be some weeks where I'm making absolutely no money and that did scare me. But then at the same time, I realized that once it all does pay off, like it's it's going to be worth it in the end. So you just have to kind of put that to the side, like you have to kind of brush that off a bit. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, my other what if that I was a little bit scared about was the fact that I was leaving the Eastern suburbs and opening up in Concord in the inner West. And I was like, I'm going to lose all my clients. I'm going to lose everyone. No one's like, no one's going to come. No one's going to want to come to Concord. Um, yeah, it's so funny, all those stupid doubts, like, and then the next thing I, I mean, I didn't even tell anyone, but because my name is so different throughout the whole year of me working for myself, I had all these people reaching out like, oh, I've, I found your, I found your Instagram. And, you know, it's so amazing. Like people coming from all over Sydney to come and have a facial with me at the front of my parents' house in Concord. I like doubted myself so much. I thought I was like, oh, it's just going to be this little, you know, uh, like no one's going to want to come. And wow, a boy, I was wrong. I was, before I knew it, I was so busy and I was like, I I need a bigger space. I need to get out of my parents' house. There's people walking around everywhere. (laughs) You know, we're taking up the whole front of the house. I have to, um, yeah, I have to do. So before I knew it, I was was like, wow, it's all all those what ifs just, I don't even remember what I doubted anymore. It's so funny. I suppose Mm. you just, um, yeah, I just had to, I just made sure that whatever I did, I was, you know, being smart. Like, you know, I was trying not to go to, I was quite safe with the way I did it. I didn't go and like take out this big, huge business loan and open up this big grand spa with a, you know, I I, I did things like very safely and little, you know, each month I made a new goal. Okay. You know, 
in a few months, I'm going to bring on a whole new line of products because that's a big expense. And then in a few months, I'm going to, I'm going to buy a light therapy machine. If that makes, yeah. So I didn't, mm-hmm. I tried not to like bite off more than I could chew. So yeah, that's how I did it. Um, but I think, you know, for some, you obviously won't be, I'm very lucky because I had the space and I had my parents to help me. But before I knew it, I was like, oh, rent will be fine. I can go rent somewhere now. I can't believe I was scared about rent. Like I don't even feel that anymore. It's yeah, so silly. Oh, I feel you. There's so many. I've had so many of those, yeah, same things. And my thing was at the end of the day, because I, I mean, I've shared this a little bit before, but I'll do it again because I feel like it's really good reinforcement as we're having this conversation. So much the same as you, I mean, I'd been kind of in sort of publishing for a bit over 10 years. And in that last kind of five years, I really worked incredibly hard and saved a lot as well. I could have saved a lot more, but I did save. And so when I left my job, I said to Tony, I'm going to take six months and I'm going to take 10 grand out of savings And I'm going to use that to produce the first season and sustain myself, like pay my petrol, my health insurance, you know, the basics you were saying. So the minimum amount of earning that I have to reach. Yeah. And then at six months, I will know, and we generally do in that time, whether this has potential or whether I have to go out and get another job. And I thought, even like, I'm not going to like the job I have to go to necessarily, but I will be able to get another job. Yeah. Um, And I think this is what's so beautiful about what you've shared is, you know, the point is that we always move in the direction of evolution, but that we can still be practical at the same time and we can still be smart about it. It doesn't mean blowing up your life, you know no. what I mean? And yeah. and taking unnecessary risks. I think some people are very risk adverse and that is a safety mechanism. Good. So pay attention to that need that you have for some sort of planning and security and and do it that way. Like it doesn't have to be you know, a resignation and the big business loan and the big shebang. And I think that's a question for you is, do you feel like really one of the main, I guess, skills that you used in that time was just practicing patience? Yeah, absolutely. Just you have to understand that, no, you're not going to be, I suppose, not going to be making the same amount of money. But as long as, yeah, as long as you're patient, and you just wait for it, it's going to pay off, absolutely. If what you have to offer is amazing and people want to buy or visit you or whatever you're doing, um, yeah, you just have to try. And then if I suppose if you're worried at all, you, you know, you can have that maybe two two days a week, a little casual job on the side, which would kind of be fun, you know, something completely different to what you're doing just to like escape your mind for, you know, just to jump out of that because sometimes it consumes you when you're opening up your own thing. You start to like dream about it, wake up and think about it. And it's just kind of nice to have something to like draw you away from it. But yeah, absolutely. Just be patient. It's, you know, you'll get there. Um, mm-hmm. And just not, I suppose, just not worry and not worry so much about money. It's so hard, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Everyone thinks it's so out of reach. Yeah. Yeah. I think, no, don't worry. And then every day I'm still worried. You know what I mean? And you're probably just worried about different, we're just worried about different things now than what we were. But you just mentioned like waking up and thinking about it. And I guess that makes me wonder about, 
I guess the power of visualization, like I look at pictures of you now, like sitting in a beautiful white dress on a marble table in your incredible salon in (laughs) Balmain. Do you, did you see that for yourself in the beginning? Like, did you kind of always kind of picture this reality that could exist and you've kind of moved against that or you never let yourself go there? Did I actually picture it? No, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I actually pictured it. I always pictured working for myself um, and like kind of, you know, like I said, going back to what I had to offer and having this space that's like a warm, fun energy. I always pictured that, but I never really, I don't know, I never really like manifested it, I suppose. It was just each each month or maybe each six months went by and I had a new goal that got me there eventually, if that makes sense. Um, mm. I suppose I'm a little bit more realistic in that way. But, yeah, de- I mean, I definitely always had it in my mind but not like not that visual, <laughs> like, you know, the white and everything like that. No, I think I um, there was something in my mind there but I just didn't know exactly what and I suppose each everywhere that I've worked and every everyone I've come across in my life and um, things I've learned along the way has like taken me to this like exact spot, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. So I feel like there's going to be people listening who um, are providing a service or have ambition to provide a service. So as you were saying, and a big part of my own methodology is identifying our unique gifts and then identifying a need and then meeting that need with our gifts. What would you, like if you're booked out essentially for 12 months or you're booked for 12 months, talk to us about what do you put that down to? Like if we're talking about loyalty, retention, how have you made that possible? Like is there things that you think it's it's these three reasons or have customers told you what it is that keeps them coming back keeps them coming back I think um yeah because it is such a like a personal um service it's so like I mean you you get to know each other from it's like I probably know more about some people than maybe what their family does (laughs) if those walls could talk um I suppose it's just (laughs) the the fact that they they come in and they feel so comfortable with me and they just love that they can kind of lay down, not have to worry or think about anything. And they know that they can trust that one, yes, I'm going to make them feel comfortable and relaxed. And it's like a space where they can just let go and get away from the craziness of life. But two, they know how passionate I am about what I do and how important it is to me that I'm delivering results and taking care of their skin and helping them because that's essentially what they're there for is to obviously you know, maintain beautiful skin. They know that whatever I'm doing every, you know, every few months, I'm always researching something new or implementing, like bringing in a new service, bringing in a new facial. They know that they're not just, you know, they were, I've always got something new and incredible to, not new to offer, but just like consistency that Mm -hmm. they're always going to get a good result basically. Um, You know, and I'm never, I, I try not to be too like, you know, my way or the highway, I'm, all, I'm all, always talking to them about new things and like, you know, or asking them, you know, what do you want today? What do you want from today? Like I've really consult, I really sit down and 
get to know what that, even though they've been coming to me for five years, it doesn't mean that that person doesn't want to sit down and have a consultation again. Maybe things have changed. There's nothing worse than feeling like when you're seeing the same person for so long, they're getting a little bit stale or they're not, you know, their focus is somewhere else. I don't know. I just suppose I have like a lot of intentions, like my, and it's, I'm very focused on the person in front of me and making sure that I'm delivering exactly what they're here for. So, mm-hmm. and that's every single time they visit, not just to wow someone for the first time. You know, that's, I have to make sure that they're happy every single visit. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think maybe that's what the little formula is, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> that just comes from a place from being very genuine and like, I don't want to, they're paying for a service and I want to make sure I'm giving them my absolute best. So, yeah. So what I hear from that is um, consistency of character and this understanding that people are giving you their hard-earned money. Absolutely. You know, and we've all been in those situations where you become so friendly with your hairdresser or skin therapist or whatever it is that you end up talking the whole time because you really enjoy catching up. But I know as a customer, you kind of leave and you're like, fuck, (laughs) I didn't get to enjoy my massage. You know what I mean? Because, but, and also particularly as women, we want to be really polite. So we don't want to be like, can you just shut up and do the massage? (laughs) It's so true. I've literally had to tell my clients to shush. I'm like okay, we've had done enough talking now. You're here to relax today. You're not allowed to talk anymore. It's so funny. And then they get so awkward and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but then they're so happy that I did that because, you know, it's their, like you said, it's their hard-earned money. And mm-hmm. no, and it's, it's really about establishing, though, what the person wants. Someone might actually say to me, Deandra, I just need to sit and talk to you today, actually. Like, well, and if that's what they want, then I let them, yeah. So it really depends. (laughs) Yeah. So this is like professional space holding. And I Mm. guess this is a good segue into my next question about the emotional load of starting your own thing. But especially as somebody who provides such an intimate service, there is a lot that you're giving and a lot that you're receiving that may not be the purest of energy and Mm frequencies. So talk to us about, I guess, the emotional yeah, load of starting your own thing. You know, you're leading people, you're starting to really, you know, there's a lot of momentum with your public profile. How has that been? Like if we really get down to it, because I mean, and I say this from a place of I've found it really hard behind the scenes to hold it. But then when I was leading and then have to present that kind of facade of like, everything's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely like most of the time a little bit of a facade, isn't it? It's like it all looks really beautiful and pretty on Instagram, but there's a lot going on. But yeah, I suppose um, just making sure that like get to preserve, like you've got to make sure you preserve your energy by if someone comes in and it's maybe, you know, not the right you just, I suppose, have to make sure you're blocking yourself off a little bit and being a really good listener and trying not to like, I don't know. I actually don't really know how to explain how I do that, to be completely honest with you. Um, I guess it's like an energetic boundary. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when I'm doing like facials and you're quite up close and personal with someone, I've also, I've trained in like Reiki and things like that. So I'm very good at learning how to like almost disconnect but not with the person. 
but only if I feel like maybe their energy is a bit off. If someone's got a really beautiful, warm energy, it like you almost it's flow, it flows, it's it's amazing. But um, yeah, and that's okay when someone's energy is a little bit off. They need that's when they, that they really need me. So, but I really need to make sure that I'm not absorbing that. And there is a little bit of an art to that. So, I think that takes a lot of like experience. Um, but then yeah, I suppose with the whole because I know you mentioned that with social media, um. You said how, you know, you've got this kind of like facade, I suppose. Well, I think it is for everyone. Yeah. We're getting more real and I think we're starting to see, especially influencers and credit to them is showing us a little bit more of what's actually going on. But then I've been in this interesting time myself where there is some really challenging things going on in my personal life, but I haven't really felt called to share them publicly in the way that I used to. And I think we're losing a little bit of authenticity in that share also because now it's almost become the thing to do. So it's such a hard line, isn't it? It's so true. Well, I suppose you don't want to, when you are a when you are a brand, um, you have to really be careful of like, I know I can't, I, I don't, because that's, I, I think of it is that my salon is my brand and then I'm separate to it. I mean, yes, I put a lot into it personally. Like it is, it is me. It's my heart and soul. But then at the same time, people don't need to see that they're coming in to feel a certain way. I don't want them to have to come in and like know all about, yeah, like the 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 struggles and the, you know, that that's not for that's not for my clients to see. That's um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose mm. that that kind of would rule. I feel like that would almost ruin their experience a little bit if they, yeah, I don't know if that makes mm. any sense. No, you have to does. really have a professional boundary. Yeah. Yeah. The one place they can come to not have to worry about yeah. problems yeah, and yeah, other yeah. people's problems. And it's the one thing we're doing for ourselves. So yeah, I think that sounds spot on. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk, of course, about skin. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and it's a big passion of mine, as you know, it's something I've yeah. invested in for a long time. And obviously you've, you know, made a living or making a beautiful living out of helping us care for our skin. And I guess the way I think about it is like high performing skin, you know, because there's something in that kind of performance territory where it's once it gets there, it's otherworldly because you don't actually need makeup necessarily. No. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, um, I guess, your skin philosophy. So you've already shared with us that you're an advocate for keeping an open mind and kind of working with what people are interested in using and have. But talk to us about like the fundamentals of what you believe when it comes to skincare. Well, yes, that's like definitely one of them is keeping an open mind and trying if something's not working for you, you've got to try something new. Um, Taking care of your skin is so important. You've got to really like, I don't, my whole thing is you do not need a six, seven, eight step routine. I really do believe there are some particular products that maybe are a bit gimmicky and I'm like, nah, you don't need that. Um, I'm very like realistic and my whole focus is very science. Like what I'm very much into what science says and like research and development. If something's been researched and, you know, properly studied and I'm, I'm all for it. I'm a bit of a sucker for science. Um, Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, yes, but then I do understand that often 
something is just so incredible for someone that I might not understand. And I sort of go, really? Okay. But if that works for you, you stick to it. Um, and then I do believe that if you can't come in for facials and if that's not like, if that is out of your reach, you know, that, that is okay. Um, but, you know, just check in with someone even just once a year, like just to speak to a professional about you might be doing something wrong. They can reset you, um, you know, set you up for the year. Even twice a year is so good. Um, but, yeah, definitely I don't feel like you can just pop online and then just buy a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, someone told you that your friend told you was good. I think mm. it's so personal and it skincare is a journey and you have to understand there's going to be like a lot of trial and error, but don't, don't feel like just because something didn't work, it's all just a big, you know, scam. Yes. So many people think, oh no, I used that product and it did nothing for me. You know, product, it just must be a scam. Well, no, if when something, when a product is really, really amazing, it's not going to work for everyone. Otherwise it wouldn't, it wouldn't be amazing. Like usually something is only for, you know, a particular skin type. So you've really got to check in with a professional. So my whole thing is just make sure you're very open-minded and you check in with a professional. And honestly, you can, you can find the most amazing, you know, I suppose, what should I say? Like a skincare regime that works for you. Mm. Yeah. And so this is just the absolute importance of home care. And I talk a lot about this on Instagram, like it's really boring when you have to just keep using the stuff that's working, especially when there's all this amazing stuff coming out that has these incredible marketing campaigns. <laughs> and like, sometimes you just want to like, I just want a new bottle with a new <laughs> texture and something that smells different. But then I do that. And of course the skin goes south and then yeah. Karina will be like, what have you done? I'm like, well, <laughs> I tried this thing, you know, which is where, what I was saying about those boundaries of like go crazy on the cleanser or, you know, it'll be different for everyone, but these are the particular products and actives we need to keep using. Um, you know, I've been working with um, Estee for a couple of years now. I think we're into our fourth season working together. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, which products or is there a product that surprised you in terms of its efficacy as, I guess, an over-the-counter brand? Because, yes, I mean, sure. I don't know what you're going to say, actually, because we haven't spoken yeah. about this before, but <laughs> I hand on heart, like, it's interesting you were saying there's products that people... Should we say it at the same time? Yeah, exactly. Rave about. <laughs> and then, um, you know, you're saying, oh, but it didn't work for me. I have to mm. tell you, A&R is one of those mm -hmm. ones where it's literally anyone I've told... <laughs> says yes. it's amazing. And I think that's because it's the basis of it is hydration. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So that's yeah. what you were going to say. I was going to say it at the same time. I was going to try and like say it at the same time as you. A&R is honestly, yeah, it's definitely a product that surprised me for sure. Um, I suppose because, you know, it is obviously it's not a salon brand, but mind you, I don't even really know what that even means anymore because so many of these big, amazing, like so many of these companies, uh, they have so much money for research. So they end up being just as good as cosmeceutical, like as cos cosmeceutical. I think, yeah, definitely that is one that definitely surprised me, but it didn't like, it was more so that I, I mean, I, they approached me to do some work with them and I, I only, all I knew about it was that 
pretty much every second client used it. And I mean, they all had beautiful skin. So I never really, I was, I suppose I was a little bit shut off to it because I was, because yeah, it wasn't a salon brand, but not so much that I didn't want to use. I just didn't need it. I just, for me, I was like, oh no, I've got good hydration. I don't need it. Um, but then anyway, they, they presented a lot of like research and um, a few case studies and things like that. And I was like, oh my, this is so impressive. This is like basically the way like Medicaid and other brands that I, um, that I sell do their research. It's like the ingredients list is incredible. I'm going to try it. And it is, it's incredible. It's just basically mm. like a big drink of water. It's very, very much a lot of hyaluronic acid. And when that's done right, and it's, you know, the writing, like, cause you can, any brand can get hyaluronic acid, but it's just basically about the way they um, formulate it and the, the molecular size, all this stuff. I won't get too technical, but basically Estee Lauder has put a lot of research and time into this product and it's incredible. It delivers amazing results. I'm obsessed with it. I use it all the time. All my clients love it. Um, and it was definitely one that surprised me. That's for sure. So, yeah. And we should mention here, which I have spoken about with different um, like ambassadors of the brand and friends of the brand, that one of the things we all do is mix it with our makeup. Oh, yeah. And it's one of the only serums, and I know you know this, where it seems to work with the texture of whatever you're putting with it instead of yeah. it being tacky yeah. or that peeling yeah. sensation. Yeah, exactly, which is, what, which is a clear indication of the delivery system of the active ingredients because it's mixing so well in with your, not any product is going to do that. This is like literally melting into your makeup. That's why it just melts into your skin. It's incredible. And you get that beautiful glow. I, I just, I, yeah, I challenge everyone to try it, even just a little travel <laughs> one and not get a comment on your skin. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, Deandra basically did my job for me here, but honestly, it's just such a reliable, high-performing serum. I know we're all inundated with product recommendations from influencers on Instagram, but I truly think it means something when a skin expert like Deandra puts her name and her reputation behind a product. So if we've left you feeling curious to try ANR, please visit estelauder.com.au and use the code OFFLINE at checkout to get 15% off. T's and C's apply, which you can read in this episode show notes. We truly hope you love it as much as we do. So you've been talking a bit about risk and I think reputation and putting your name on the line. Let's talk um, before we wrap up about um, financial risk and getting comfortable as you get bigger now. And I'm kind of reaching this stage in my own business where what's required of me as a business owner is to start investing a significant sum of money in the business to help it succeed. Mm -hmm. I am having a really interesting time getting around that because I guess where I'm at right now with offline is I'm going to give it everything I've got in 2022. I'm going to drain the business bank account trying. I'll watch it build. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, but so I can kind of hand on heart say I did everything I could. I gave it all I had and I'm pretty conservative. Like I keep most of the profit in the business and I just pay myself a little bit for now until I need to earn more. How have you 
like in all seriousness, when you've got to say there's a big chunk of money that's got to come in to go out again, how do you get comfortable with the financial risk involved? Um, oh, that's a really good question. Um, I suppose because every time I've made a financial risk, I know that there's going to be a quite a huge gain. So, mm. um, that is something I remind myself, but just make sure you have, you keep a little bit to pay yourself still so that you can, cause at the end of the day, you gotta, you know, you gotta feed yourself and you gotta, you have a family. Um, I suppose that's how I'm, that's how I'm comfortable with it. And if I don't feel like there's going to be a huge gain, then that's, I'm probably shouldn't do what I'm about to do, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. anytime you feel like you're about to take that huge risk, you've really got to think, okay, what is this going to give back to my business? And um, mm-hmm. what am I going to gain from this? And if it's worth it, then if you don't do it, you're, you're not going to, your business isn't going to go anywhere. It just stays, doesn't it? And that's where I feel like I'm at is like it's at this kind of level. It's plateaued. It doesn't even feel like plateau. It feels like just maintenance. It feels like this could kind of carry on like this forever and be great. But I feel like I could help more people. And so to do that, I've got to put my money where my mouth is. Well, yeah. And if and and then some people might be absolutely okay with the fact that they're just maintaining a comfortable lifestyle. And if you're, if you're, if you're okay with that, then don't, 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 why change? Why, you know, don't fix what isn't broken. And if you're really comfortable, keep going, just keep going with that then. But if you do feel like you have more to offer and you know that something really special could, you know, grow from whatever you, whatever it is you're doing, then just do it. Take the risk. If not, then you just have to go back to the maintenance phase. So, you know, you, you know, at the end of the day, you, you have something incredible there. And if, Mm. if a few, if a few steps forward brings you back a little bit, it's, it's okay. Just do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But just make sure you've always got a bit of a a safety net, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we need to be um, financially, responsible in some ways. I think what you've, yeah, raised is incredible in that it's a lot of our programming that we have to keep growing, get bigger, more, more, more. And so for anyone listening, that's like, but I actually feel pretty happy where I am, then that's perfect. Yeah, You know, you actually have the thing and the feeling that everyone's kind of chasing ultimately anyway. Yeah. I always say that I'm really happy with where I am at the moment and I don't, like I kind of, I just like where my business is at and I just want to stay like this forever. But then I'm just so impulsive sometimes. <laughs> and I was like, I'd be like, oh yes. Like the other day I was literally looking at a space to rent down the road from where we are to like expand. And I've been saying for so long, oh no, I'm so happy. I like the way things are. And then one of the girls was like, oh, Deandra, this is so random. <laughs> anyway, I didn't end up doing it. Um, but it's it's good to just, I suppose, keep an open mind, even if you are very, very happy with the way things are going. You know, you mm-hmm. never know. You never know what might be Follow the breadcrumbs. I think yeah. you've got to do that. Yeah, I think you've yeah. got to honour the curiosity. Yeah. If you get that little ping that says, oh, go and look at that other space, just go and look. Yeah. Maybe it's just about like nature's saying here's a landlord that you want to develop a relationship with for later or it might not always be the thing you think it is it's kind of what happens on the journey to get there that often is the reason why you kind of follow those little cues um i'm going to ask you a couple more questions before i let you go because i've taken up an hour of your time already that's okay i talk a lot um (laughs) (laughs) 
talk to us about um, briefly just leading? I think when we start businesses, we don't often anticipate becoming a leader as well. We think of ourselves as business owners. Yeah. But then you start to bring people in under your mission and, you know, to help you succeed. What's your experience been like with um, bringing on a team and share with us, I guess, anything that um, you've learned along the way? Um, I don't know if this is like the right formula, but this is how I do things and um, I feel quite proud of how I do things. I don't really consider myself like a boss or a leader. I just so happen to be the person that you can come to that knows the most and I'll help you. But at the end of the day, I just feel like the way we operate is that we're a team. Everyone's like we're alongside each other. There's no like hierarchy. That's my thing. And um, we're like mates. So you're always going to feel so comfortable no matter what happens to come to me about anything and I'm always on your side. Whereas I just feel like sometimes in some work environments, people can be a little bit anxious or a little bit nervous around maybe someone who's a leader or a manager or a, I don't know, whatever else you would, I'm trying to think of even companies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Bigger companies. I just feel like, yeah, if you're more on like everyone's level, I think that's how a team works really well. And I think that's the, like the, the good foundation of a, like a really good business is if the people that, you know, when, when you're going, when you're walking into somewhere that, that team feels like friends, mates, and like family, it's like, you know, I don't know. I just think that's the way I do things and that seems to work. And, but at the same time, you just need to remember like professional boundaries again and that, you have to make sure that if you are going to run your business like that, if that's how you're going to do things, you need to make sure that when you're hiring someone, you're not going to bring on the wrong person who might take advantage of that, um, mm. that you really are like very careful with who you bring on if that's how you, because, you know, that could also not go very well because they might get too comfortable and things will be too casual. You need to remember that the the environment needs to be professional still. Um, mm. But... I don't know. I just feel like that has like really worked for me and the clients all feel it. They, they always say every time they come in, they just love the energy. And yeah, I think that might be why if anyone ever says boss, because I hate real. that word. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Because it's real. I hate when people say, oh, how do you feel being a boss? I'm like, oh no, I'm not. I hate that word. I don't know why. I just. I'm a colleague. I'm a peer. Yeah. Um, I love what you said, like, I'm the one that knows the most and that you can come to me at yeah. any time. Um, and I think the thing with leading, what I've learned over the years, you know, to your point on sometimes the manager or the leader can be this kind of figure that we're anxious around and scared of and feel it's difficult to approach them. The you know, my take on that <laughs> is we are always, always interacting and engaging with a state of consciousness and so if you feel like there is a barrier between you and that person, you know, above you, then it actually says more about their state yeah. than it does about you and yours because your sense of awareness about that I think is really beautiful and something that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. But um, when somebody is leading in a way that promotes fear um, mm. and is inaccessible, it often is a direct report card of their own state. So yeah, for sure. I think we can personalise it quite a bit, but actually 
if we can just find that human connection. And oftentimes I think leaders like that, and, you know, this will not work across the board and we need to have a session before we go and have these conversations. But (laughs) having a, um, just being able to say like, hey, like, how are you going? Mm. Are you okay? Yeah. Because there's a front up, there's something happening, you know, and if you can just be a real person, a really sincere, empathetic person that says, gosh, it must be hard, all the things you're holding. Yeah, for sure. You know, for us, on behalf of us, so that we can get paid and all of these things. Um, And that's worked for me in the past. Yeah, you just have to have a really open and honest conversation with people so that you can work Mm -hmm. better together. And it works both ways. I feel like a lot of the time I'm also learning from the the ladies that I work with um, with a lot of the time I say, oh, you come to me because I know every more so I know everything just because I'm running the place and I know what's going on, (laughs) but they actually teach me a lot too. A lot of the time I'm Mm. like, I need help with something. It's just, I don't know, I suppose just be really open and honest with everyone and just be a kind person. Like, I think that's a good leader. This is it, isn't it? Just be a fundamentally good fucking human. And yes, just be a good person. (laughs) You know, everything will be okay. Um, And I guess just another little nugget for leaders listening, it's like we have a responsibility to understand what is required of us in the room at any given time. And so we operate on a kind of in a third space in a way Mm. where we're kind of engaging with, assessing and kind of overseeing. And so it requires a very particular, I think, state of consciousness for us to be able to be doing all those things at the same time and no one really know. Yeah. But it's always really analysing like what is the quality of the energy in the room Mm. and then as the leader what is required of me in the moment to kind of bring it up or bring it down or – and we're doing this all the time, we just don't really realise it. So even though you're saying you're mates, you're obviously much more than that and and you create – that environment for them, which I think is very admirable. So thank you for sharing that wisdom with us. It's okay. Um, I have a final question (laughs) that I ask each of my guests and it's about this idea of true self-success. And when you really get down to it, what are the kind of fundamentals that make you feel successful? Like what does that look like for you in your life? that make me feel successful, like career-wise or no, like in my, you're saying in my true self. Well, you know, this is what's so beautiful about what <laughs> you've just pulled out of that question. Yeah. Is it's open to interpretation based on where we're at and the fact that you've already brought in the personal, like, yeah, that mm. is really what the question's about. It's not this idea of career is success. Yeah. In our life, you know, career is one part. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, so take it for all of it. My big thing is that my career does not define me. It's not, it is, yes, it's a part of my life and I'm, I feel so, I feel so happy and grateful that I've had such a good successful career, but I, I really like to, you know, remind people that it doesn't define me, that my family and like who I am as a person, like, you know, being a good, kind person, that's, that's what defines me. Um, not how successful I am. So I feel like maybe that might answer it a little bit mm. um, that I've established that. I think people get so caught up in what they do and going somewhere and being able to talk about what they do and like their job title. 
And I just know that that doesn't really mean anything to me. It's just more that I've been a really good person getting here and I'm really proud of where I am today. And, but at the end of the day, if someone like, you know, took that career away from me or something happened to me, God forbid something happened to the salon or whatever, I have like a beautiful family that, you know, and beautiful friends that that's like, I feel pretty lucky and grateful for that. So yeah. Mm. And that I've been, you know, always a a decent human. (laughs) So Mm. yeah, I don't know. I suppose, I don't know if that really answers the question (laughs) properly, but yeah. I think you definitely need to give yourself more credit because that more than answers the question. I think that is the realest. I think that's the truest. (laughs) I think how incredible that that's embodied for you as well. I can feel that you are very sincere when you say that. You know, it sounds really good, but actually I can, looking at you now, I know. Oh, thank you. It's true. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for being on my podcast and just connecting with you after all of this time. Like I've just quietly watched on and always felt really proud. So to <laughs> to talk to you and know that you just haven't changed a bit is really beautiful. I like to think I haven't <laughs> and I'll never change. <laughs> thank you so much. This has been so beautiful. It hasn't even felt like I've been on a podcast. It's felt like I've just had a really nice chat with a friend. <laughs> That's so nice. I hope everyone enjoys listening. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to find out more about my personal and professional development opportunities. And if you know someone who would benefit from listening to Offline, please share it with them.